Hello and welcome to the Greetings from Wherever podcast. This show is about artistic inspiration and the creative process. Thank you so much for tuning in. Big thank you to all the patrons who make this show possible. To learn how you can join and support the show, head over to patreon.com slash Music. Let's begin. Thank you for tuning into the Greetings from Wherever podcast. This is your host, Brian Wolf, and my guest for this week is Ryan Monahan. And uh, it was a really interesting conversation. The goal really going into it was to find out more about the craft of, of making beer and sort of the artistic thought behind it. And as it turns out, it's uh, it's more or less sort of a combination of being a chef and being creative in that way and also a scientist all at once. Um, so it's it's pretty interesting to hear his perspective and he even walks us through the process of, of making a beer, um, which I thought was really generous and awesome of him to do that. You know, we, we talked about some of his other projects too. He's a busy guy. He does a lot of things. He, uh, he is, uh, he's a drummer for uh, a few local bands, uh, finite fidelity. He's been in for a long time. That's how I know him from the fair city fire days. We did a lot of shows together. Um, and he's also in a Rage Against the Machine cover band. Um, he has a YouTube series with his friend, uh, Scott Blanco, our, our mutual friend. And, uh, yeah, they, they, it's, it's really fun. Uh, they, they pair, it's called electric pills nerds and they pair guitar pedals and beers and they both are, um, super, um, knowledgeable about both things uh like scott is super knowledgeable about guitar pedals and ryan is super knowledgeable about beers so they kind of found a way to match those together and it's it's pretty fun it's a fun show and you can learn a lot too actually and it's and laugh all at once so it's pretty cool but um yeah it's uh you know it was really good to chat with ryan about making beer and and to learn more about that and to think about making beer in a different way um because it's something that a lot of us enjoy when we go out we'll we'll go drink a beer to to have a good time with our friends and or maybe chill out or whatever it is but i think you know it's it's cool sometimes to think about the uh the artistic thought and the process and all that stuff that goes into making that thing that makes you have a good time or or however you use it um so i i think uh i think it was a good conversation it was really it was a fun one and uh He's my housemate, so it was pretty convenient. <laughs> but uh, yeah, as far as stuff I've got going on, I'm starting to play live again. Um, so yeah, just keep an eye out on the Brian Wolf Music pages on Instagram, Facebook, and you can kind of keep track of where I'm playing. Mostly around Austin, I'm trying to uh, book a show for when I'm up in New York uh, in May, so keep a lookout for that. Uh, other than that, please enjoy my conversation with Ryan Monahan and... Uh, I'll start it right here. I'd like to welcome to the show Ryan Monahan. Thank you so much for joining me today. Right on, man. Thanks for having me. <laughs> this is really funny because um, I've had guests from as far as Panama and uh, Buffalo, New York, <laughs> kind of zooming with me for these interviews. But you're the you're the closest guest as we are housemates. It's a world record. <laughs> it is a world record. Uh, it's just pretty much uh, walk out of our, our bedrooms and meet in the dining room, and here we are. Greeti- greetings <laughs> from the next room over. <laughs> greetings from like a couple feet away. It's hilarious, man. Well, I, I definitely um, am look, looking forward to diving into uh, making beer. Uh, it's kind of talking about that process and the creativity behind that. Um, but, you know, there's just so many other things that you do. 
uh you know namely one is like you're a musician you're an excellent drummer you're in uh a few bands in town now um and uh finite fidelity is is the classic i mean that's how i know you is uh my band fair city fire did a ton of shows with you guys which uh were all there there was so much fun from the too damn hot affair to just kind of wherever rattle in i think might have been the first place we did yeah, that some of the most fun show experiences of my life were playing gigs with y'all dude I just gotta say gotta mention that so yeah it's been awesome a lot and of, i hope to lot have of good many memories. more yeah a lot of good memories and like silly promo videos we did <laughs> it's good good times it's man. always fair city fire and finite fidelity it's always like you know a, t- a tongue-twisting good combo of bands <laughs> for sure all the exactly exactly um but yeah man so you know i i really know you from the the music scene uh that's kind of how we met but then uh you know you're you're in finite fidelity and then you're also in this uh raging against the machine tribute band called battle of atx which is awesome i'm gonna go see you guys tonight at far out lounge hell yeah uh, that's gonna be awesome it's gonna be rager (laughs) um, we miss playing shows enough I haven't played it far out yet. Looking forward to playing it far out. They have a great outdoor setup for live music for sure. Yeah, I haven't even seen a live show since uh, since last year around this time. Actually, probably over a year ago wow. now. So it's it's going to be a lot of fun to. That's understandable. See guys. Yeah, you're, you're bringing it back. Uh, but you know, by the time this comes out, it won't be the show won't be tonight anymore. It'll have been in the past, which is yeah. unfortunate. But you can catch them another time. Yeah, we'll be playing plenty of shows. <clears throat> Uh, in, the, in the near future definitely good times good times but yeah so you do that you have uh you have a youtube series with scott blanco called uh electric pills nerds mm-hmm. uh which do you, I, I would love to hear you kind of explain that show i i totally get it i just feel like you'll explain it better than i would um it wasn't my idea like a lot of <laughs> like a lot of these things um uh, it's usually my best friend scott blanco's idea ideas and he just including finite fidelity and uh he just kind of ropes he tells me about it roast me into it and i stupidly agree to do it um <laughs> i'm just like all right i don't have any time might as well add that to my schedule <laughs> sweet uh but yeah it's a youtube channel focusing on it's like how you have food pairings for beers but he wanted to pair guitar pedals of all things with beer and i was like you're absolutely crazy that is so that is the stupidest niche <laughs> idea that a lot of guitar nerds who are probably also beer nerds um will just eat it up most yeah. likely we've already had some good like comments from guitar nerds and as we as we call them fellow pills nerds um so yeah it's pretty it's pretty cool scott picks out a pedal and i he tells me a little bit about about the pedal. I research it a little bit and then think of a beer to pair with it. Um, so, yeah. It's, and it's sometimes vice versa. I'm like, all right, I'm just going to pick this beer. Now it's your job to pick a pedal to pair with that. With and So you need to research the beer. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, and it's like full on. There's a lot of like details about both things. Like you guys are uh respective total nerds about like the name is not you know it's not a facade or anything like you guys are totally you know like you know so much about beer you know like an insane amount so it's it's pretty easy to think yeah it's pretty gross it's pretty 
<laughs> not gross. No, it's, it's great. It's, it's a great thing. It's just like, how do you know that much? I mean, a lot of it's just because I've drank, I've just consumed so much damn beer. <laughs> it's, I mean, that's most of it right there. Yeah, and then and then there's Scott who, you know, he sells pedals at, you know, South Austin Music, but I think he had this, like, deep knowledge of, you know, guitar pedals before Yeah, he's that. definitely you a know, pedal peddler. Yeah. And a, he has, like, too many guitars. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know how he does it, but that's just... You know, guitar players. Well, I mean, it's it's a good it's a good team because I think you guys, uh, you know, and, and we've talked about this on the show before. With I, I've talked about this with other guests, like just the power of collaboration, right? You know, it's like, yeah, one person could try to know everything there is to know about beer and guitar pedals, but you guys, you know, are playing to each other's expertise and working together on that, which I think is what makes it what makes it a really fun show to watch and also informative in in a yeah. fun way, you know? Um, yeah. So that's really cool. Good point. Yeah. Yeah. We try to just be as <clears throat> educational as possible uh, from both, both, you know, facets of it um, without, you know, being tried. I mean, I, I tend to just say too much about beer, just like <laughs> ramble and ramble like an old man. Um, Scott can do that a little bit with pedals too. But uh, that's why we, <clears throat> that's why we have really long editing sessions. Um, that's, yeah, that are that are still a lot of fun. I've I've learned that just from uh, from living here. It's like uh, it's like up oh, go into another editing session. It's something that uh, something that you do quite a bit. So I wanted to ask you uh, like how that process looks because obviously you get all this footage and then it's time to add in little graphics, little um, you know. So that's got to be. You know, it's got to be a process coming up with these ideas, but then also executing all of it. Like, how how does all that work? Yeah. Um, well, typically our schedule, we will, every second or third Sunday, we'll shoot two episodes. So the day of the day before, I'll, uh, we'll have the pedals kind of picked out typically, and then I'll go and to a couple beer stores um, and just, uh, yeah, find the right beer for the job for the pedal. Um, and then after filming, we will reconvene Tuesday for the first round of editing where we, we make, we make marks in premiere pro, um, on what to put where. And, uh, then Scott goes in and cleans off all the rough edges, like the, the ums and the not all, I mean, we leave definitely a lot of burps in there. Those are fun. (laughs) Yeah. Um, a lot of just excess noise, and then we reconvene usually on uh, the next Sunday for evening for more uh, editing. Because Wednesdays we have like finite rehearsal for that band. And then Rage, the uh, Battle of ATX, that um, is not every week. I mean, it's like we're basically when we have a show coming up, we'll try to reconvene two to three times before that show um, to brush up, freshen up, maybe added a new rage song we haven't covered before so but yeah for us it's i don't think we've played a battle show since last um last summer i think it's been a while wow so it's good to finally get the uh the engines revving up again yeah i think uh that show you're mentioning was a live stream right is that is that correct uh, yeah that was uh the live stream at the oven which is uh that's right where we re- usually where we record and also have our band rehearsal space 
Yeah, so, yeah, the oven's a great studio here in Austin. Yeah, um, check it out, the Oven ATX. They can record and house your instruments for rehearsing and all that, all the above. Yeah, it's pretty cool, man. Um, so yeah, I was gonna ask about that because uh, live streaming as uh, you know an acoustic kind of solo act like like I've been doing seems kind of straightforward to manage all the sounds and like all that kind of stuff compared to trying to live stream with a full band. I mean, can you speak to that? Like as far as you know, you guys are a rock band. You guys are loud. You you bring it. I mean, it's I, Finite Fidelity has done a live stream, and I know that. Uh, you know, you you just met, we just talked about Battle of ATX doing a live stream. Like, what's that's got to be a whole process, right? Like, <clears throat> yeah. Luckily, the oven's pretty much just got all the bells and whistles to make the live stream thing happen. That's good. Um, yeah, they got big projector that they have a lighting guy that does a bunch of cool stuff too. Um, yeah, they yeah, it's pretty cool. They broadcast it right to YouTube, Facebook, like simultaneously. Um, yeah, I'm not the super technical whiz on that stuff um, <laughs> because I'm a drummer. Uh, it's, but <laughs> it's a, it's a whole stupid, complicated world trying to figure all that stuff out. Like I, I have been trying to do <laughs> these live streams, just trying to get a little bit better every week, you know. And I do that for the listeners um, on the Brian Wolf Music Facebook page. Uh, you can watch me live stream every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Central. Um, Hell yeah! Yeah, so it's it's. It's fun, but it's definitely a whole process, like getting the sound to be okay. And then and then the element of figuring out, okay, how do I actually stream this to places, you know, and like what programs do I need and all that stuff. So it's good to have a team that already knows how to do that. Like yeah, the they oven. have That's the, great. Like pretty, basically a three to four person team that just like knocks it out of the park. Um, yeah, speaking of your live stream, by the way, it's been awesome having you doing your live streams right next to my room, <laughs> like usually working out on Wednesday nights. And yeah. I, I hear Brian like, and I feel down the way. <laughs> Some like STP cover action. That was awesome. So uh, if you ever hear any loud grunts uh, from behind the wall, that's that's Ryan lifting. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> ha! It's not my fault. <laughs> um, so I wanted to ask you, like, you know, you clearly love beer. You love, you know, you've, you've been... Guilty as charged. At, you've been working at Live Oak for, God, eight eight years now. This is, I July think will be yeah. eight years. Yeah, yeah. Just right out of uh, right out of UT. So, so beer has been a big part of your life for quite a while now. Like, what? And this is something that I kind of I ask a different form of this question to every guest that comes on the show. But like, why do you like making beer so much? Why Why is this such a big part of your life? Shoot, man. I mean, first it. When you taste good beer for the first time, um, you know, it's like a religious experience. You're just like, man, that's great. I want to, and my, what happened in my brain is like, how do you make it that good? Um, cause up until then, and I should add that my, like the first, my, the first, like, you know, epic, like that's experience with beer where I was just like blown away by how good it tasted was when I had, like, turns out, live oak and like, straight up. I was definitely not 19. Def- <laughs> uh, definitely wasn't at the Alamo Draft House. My brother definitely didn't share his picture with me. Uh, but he was starting to kind of get me into home brewing also at the same time because he's four years older than me. So, uh, yeah, up until then, I only had, you know, kind of bad beer. And then I had a sip of that, and I was like, whoa, 
this is really good. How do you make this? Um, so yeah, it's, uh, it's a lot. It start, it's, it's a lot of knowledge to start just jamming into your brain yeah, uh, from the start, like from homebrewing textbooks and textbooks of this stuff to try to jam the info into your brain or like learning from someone that's been doing it a long time. Exactly. My imagine. brother kind of helped me like get going and then I just kind of became smarter about beer than he is. So, uh, <laughs> not in a mean way, but, uh, I, I just like took it this kind of, um, this subject and just kind of ran with it. I was just like obsessed about it. Um, I'd go to, with my buddy Scott, go to a lot of, uh, beer bars, pubs around town, just try different beers, start learning about the styles, start doing my own research, reading up on the history, what ingredients go into them. So that was most of college. Definitely the second half of college. All the while still homebrewing at home, still making not the best like beer. Oh, speaking of like, I got a beer right in front of me before we go any further. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah. That now was that. Now, we're ready to ride. That cap picked up right into the microphone. It's you can Hell hear yeah. that crispy uh, crack of the beer. Crispy crack. That crisp. <laughs> that sweet, crispy crack. <laughs> <laughs> it's become Abs- a different podcast now entirely. <laughs> it's called this podcast episode is called Crispy Crack. Welcome back to Crispy Crack, y'all. <laughs> to- oh man, we're talking today. We're talking about craft crack. <laughs> That's fi- yeah. <laughs> Um, uh, so I yeah. I wanted to talk a little bit more about home brewing because that seems like uh, a lot of people that get into brewing that seems to be their their origin story. Uh, so yep. what what is that? What for like someone that might be interested in in home brewing and kind of getting into it? Like, what do they need to know? Like you know, and also um, you know, what is I guess what's the what motivated you to just start doing that? Well, definitely my brother from the get go. And uh, it's just the constant pursuit of making beer, like a batch of beer, better and better the next time. And I still do that at work, you know. We're always trying to perfect our beers. So with homebrewing, like, you just start with the you know, bare basics and, yeah, you make a pretty mediocre beer, but it's still better, more flavorful than most, you know, uh, as we say, macro-made beer, large-scale brewed beer. Um, then you start, you know, figure out what kind of styles you like and, okay, how do I make that? There's a whole set of history and rules and techniques and ingredients that go along with each recipe. It's like cooking. Yeah. And, uh, also being really into food helps out a lot. I love cooking and there's a lot of similar flavors in cooking as, you know, as there are in brewing beer. Um, it really just... They go hand in hand, and also I I was I dig the the chemistry side of it. It's like brewers are at the same time we're both chefs and chemists, and in, in a way, you know, definitely some people some brewers are more on the chemistry side, some brewers are more on the uh, cooking side. I'm definitely more on the uh, the chef like cooking side, but I definitely know a fair bit of uh, beer chemistry and biology that well, goes along with it. It's interesting with you talking about homebrew because it made me it homebrewing because it made me think of like uh 
you know, because I really try to find these through lines between different kinds of crafts, and this is like the first time when it's sort of like a yeah beer or like I want to have a chef on the show some at some point, but um, definitely, you know, it's like kind of creating stuff that people can uh, can eat or drink, and it's kind of the first time I really went down uh, this path, which is really exciting. But you know, something that you mentioned that I think like most artists or creatives can relate to is just going out and doing something and then doing it again and getting a little bit better and a little bit better and a little bit better. And I think it's interesting. I think that's the through line here that I'm hearing is, uh, you know, like even the, like two episodes ago when I had a comedian named Rachel Palante, she's from right here in Austin, um, as well. Uh, she was talking about kind of making these videos and being self-sufficient about it. And she's hilarious. Um, but you know, she was kind of mentioning how the first ones were, kind of like a little bit you know just kind of clearly just getting started and then gradually is just getting a little bit better I was like is it getting easier and she said well no because I'm constantly making it more complicated as I go I'm getting constantly pushing yourself yeah so to to be better so it's like funny it's like no it's not getting easier it's just getting better I think you know and that's right that's kind of I think what you're talking about with homebrew definitely in a way yeah you think just when you think your 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 homebrew is hot shit it's uh, there's always someone to be like, oh, actually it could be better. Especially if you if you're a home brewer and you give your brewer your your uh, home brew to, you know, a local brewer. Um, especially if you, if you know, it's at a place like Live Oak, we're a bunch of uh, tough critics over there. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we'll we'll we uh, we completely demolish some home brewers sometimes, unfortunately. But uh, it's they have to learn. I mean, just like I did, just like we did. Uh, when they were at that point. Um, and I think echoing, you know, Rachel, like how it just, she, um, she has to keep pushing and pushing more uh, uh, with her craft. It's like same thing with beer and a lot, a lot of creative things. The more you learn about something, the less you know about it. Mm, yeah. The more you like dive into a topic, you start to realize like, Oh, I actually don't know as much as I thought I did. And uh so yeah, I mean every day we're just constantly learning more and more. We're constantly reading new articles, scientific papers that come out about brewing, different techniques, di- new technologies that come out. Um it never ends, dude, and that's what keeps it not so routine. Yeah. yeah. That's got to be cool to, to kind of, you know, know that it's it's going to be a little bit different cuz you're you're growing. Every time you go into, you know, every time you go into work, you know a little bit more, hopefully, you know, and and things work a little bit better or differently, at least, you know, like maybe you try things and it's not better, but you're you're trying things, and that's the key, you know. Yeah, we're always experiment, making, doing minor experiments to, you know, keep making the beer higher quality, better, yeah. better, better, so, better tasting. So I want to know because I I know um, because I I know you very well. Um, uh, I know that you went to UT for a music business degree. Yeah. So I guess I want to know, and uh, go crazy. Longhorns, go Longhorns, by the way. Um, so I want to know, like, how you go from that to being a brewer at Live Oak. Like, what? Good question. Yeah. Uh, well, my my original intent was to try to find a niche in the local Austin music business scene or music industry. Um, you know, maybe like working for C3, did some internships. Um, and after I graduated, I was looking for jobs in that, 
and just no, no leads, a bunch of bad leads, no money leads. Um, but I will say we'll have to give credit to a bunch of my friends in college that said, you know, you should also just like look for beer jobs because you're like, you know a lot about it. You're really passionate about it. What the heck? Just give it a shot. Um, so what I would do, I would also look for not just music jobs, but also just beer jobs. I would go, I I went into a few breweries, no openings, but uh, I would also straight up like a couple months after when I was after college on the job search, I uh, would just type in beer and brewery into Craigslist. As sad as it sounds, I would type beer and brewery into Craigslist every day at the beginning of the day and see what popped up. And one day, it like, July, early July, uh, an ad popped up on Craigslist that said, cereals-based fermented beverage company seeking entry-level worker. <laughs> to the average person, that sounds just sounds disgusting. It's yeah. cereals-based fermented beverage. That sounds gross. Um, but that's what beer is. It's a fermented beverage based from cereal grains, grains and that you have in your breakfast cereal. That's clever because you have to know that to want to do the job. Probably. Exactly. And that was yeah. the weed-out um, question. And uh, the the job description, like, well, the yeah, the post was also pretty cryptic, but uh, also fairly humorous to me. It was like, do you picture yourself waking up at the crack of dawn, uh, working in extremely uncomfortable conditions for a little more than the respect of your colleagues and a cold beer at the end of the day? That's what flagged it. Uh, well, this might be the job for you. And so, yeah. I got a call 10 days later. There's only me and this other guy. And my, my the dude that hired me, he's still there. Uh, Chris Jerry, he's still, he, I was, I mean, I had like miles more beer knowledge than the other applicant. Um, the dude can tell just, I really cared about beer, but he also is like, you still have much to learn young grasshopper. Yeah, I'm sure. So yeah, we, when I, I started just the next day washing kegs, starting from the ground up, you know, filling kegs, transferring beer, cleaning tanks, stacking a bunch of kegs, ruining my lower back. Uh, <laughs> but that's just, that's a, that's a lot of craft beer. I mean, or just small independent brewing is a lot of physical labor. Um, it really was for, you know, it really was uncomfortable, but super rewarding at the end of the day. Uh, crushing beers after work still do um it's a little less backbreaking now that we've made a huge move have a little bit more automation so save our bot saves our bodies a little bit yeah that's awesome well that's such an interesting journey um but also maybe an important message for people to hear is that you know maybe you can maybe you do find that thing that you're really passionate about and maybe there is a job in that field. Like, you know, it's yeah. maybe something that's hard for you to hear on your own, but maybe they're listening to this podcast and they're just like, huh? Hmm. The secret is Craigslist. <laughs> Craigslist. Don't ever doubt old Craig. <laughs> Do not. Do you'd not. be surprised. Like nothing weird ever happens on nothing Craigslist. Nothing weird. Yeah. But you'd be surprised what uh, good opportunities can pop up on Craigslist. Yeah. Um. It, yeah. It's crazy that, that, fell into my lap and it, uh, I just, uh, made it happen. That's, that's pretty amazing. And you know, something that I, uh, also am aware of, I, 
I'm not really sure if there is like any version of like college classes about brewing, but I know that there, there is. is Cicerone training. Is that the same idea or is that like a totally different animal? As a side note, we, we like to uh, humorously say that, you know, working at Live Oak in the cellar or just like, you know, a lot of people start driving, delivering kegs. We call that like the master, your master's degree uh, in brewing. Funny. Yeah. Um, and really like, you know, I, I, I do a decent amount about beer, but I just started reading more because there's other coworkers and brewers that I wanted to be. I was like, I, I want to be that. How did they get there? Well, a lot of them read these books. So I got to just like, you know, cram these books into my brain. And, uh, that was a good place to start. And then just doing the work, obviously, on a lot yeah. of on-the-job training. That makes um, sense. That's the Live Oak master's degree. And really just like <laughs> most other breweries in town, that's like your brewing master's degree. But they have like uh, master's programs throughout the nation, uh, four or five-year universities overseas in Germany. Oh, wow. In, in England. I mean, there's just insane amounts of information to learn about beer um, from... Uh, chem- like I said, chemistry side, biology side, technological engineering side, um, a lot, of, a lot of beer. There's there are legit beer historians. Wow, that exist. Yeah, um, they're they're great. There's thousands of podcasts about oh, beer. Oh yeah, I'm uh, sure. <laughs> yeah, it's there's thousands of podcasts about everything. So many niches <laughs> in beer. Yeah, that you know, y- you you have no idea until you start digging. So yeah. But yeah, there are li- I mean, more and more there are educational programs coming out for beer. That's really cool. Yeah, I want to know uh, what is what is like a cicerone. Am I even saying that right? Um, it's pronounced chicharone. 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 No, it's it's definitely a it's cicerone. Cool. It's the beer equivalent of a sommelier, like in wine. Um, uh, yeah, pretty much. Cool. We're, we're, so, we're beer sommeliers. So what is the so? beer experts in other words kind of you know yeah you know yeah ma- mainly like you it's good to have some brewing knowledge to be a cicerone but it's mainly about like beer beer styles beer history and how to serve beer properly mm. uh so the goal of you know si- similar goal as sommelier you know fancy glitzy wine bar will hire a, a sommelier if they want like a proper wine program curated and served properly at the right temperature and the right glassware. Same thing for beer. And it's like we have a, we there's still more there's not as much demand for it yet, but someday, hopefully, people will start more and more beer bars will open that are very beer centric. Uh, that'll hire you know, Cicerones. It's a you know some people it's like they want to do that for their career and I, I fully support it. Um it's a very I think noble profession to just like spread knowledge about beer and how to serve it and drink it properly um you know depending on what style but uh yeah we've we got a lot to catch up on wine wine's had a not like i wouldn't say longer history beer is also really ancient in origin too but yeah yeah that's really cool uh so like what is the training like for for that um definitely a lot of drinking beer yeah, yeah <laughs> i'm mean, sure obviously uh but once again handful of books to uh digest i mean one is what the best one you could probably read is called tasting beer i would recommend that book to anyone looking to get into beer and brewing is to like definitely read that book by um 
Oh, crap. It's been years since I've read it. I'll, I'll have the research team uh, look that up, and we'll, we'll add Yeah, that the research post. team. <laughs> Tasting beer. <laughs> it's a must-read if you want to <laughs> learn more about beer. Randy Mosher. Yeah. Nice. Good old Randy. Good old Randy. Yeah. I wrote the, the book you'll on be, it. You'll be reading that book, and you'll find it hard not to be wanting to drink a beer like while you're reading it, so... Yeah, I I wanted to ask you because um, sometimes I feel this way about seeing live bands because it's just like music is just like such a big part of my life and it's so much of what I think about that it's hard for me to like enjoy a live show at times because I'm overanalyzing things and I'm like, I might have done this a little bit differently. I would have had this louder or whatever. Uh Do you feel that way sometimes when you drink beer? Is it hard to enjoy something? Yeah, absolutely. All the time. Too too, Too often. Um, yeah. That's part of the Cicerone training. It's the whole pro- the program, getting all that information in your head, then turns you into you know a massive beer snob. Yeah, I'm uh, sure. But it like trains you to over be over analytical about beer, and which is a good thing, especially for a brewer, to be like, oh, I detect that this is an off flavor. This uh, this beer is too oxidized. Oh, it's got a buttery flavor. That's not good. Didn't have a good fermentation. Um, it's got too much of this. Um, so it's definitely good information to learn as a brewer, but, um, you know, for the average person, ignorance is bliss when you're drinking beer. And honestly, like after I took that Cicerone exam, after I did all that studying and prep, I like, it it was weird, man. I like forgot how to enjoy beer as much. I couldn't enjoy it. Mm. I was just constantly just like being over analytical about it. Uh, it's like, oh, it's not perfect. Yeah. This beer sucks. <sighs> Rather Man. than just like shut up and drink it, dude. That's tough. Yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting because I think, you know, there's that part of me when I think, you know, and how I can relate is the, the music thing. And like, you know, I'll go out and there'll be like, you know, this is kind of in the before times, <laughs> I'd be like downtown or something and I would hear a cover band. Everyone is having a blast. You know, everyone in the bar is having a great time yep. singing along. And I'm like thinking in my head about like how I would have done things differently, how the sound's not quite right. It's yeah. stupid. I hate that about Knowledge is power, <laughs> but also knowledge is like a curse. Yeah, it's kind of a buzzkill. Yeah, knowledge is a super buzzkill. If I've <laughs> done be. it all again, I'd. Well, no, I just, no, I'm no, happy where yeah. I'm at. I, I'm, I'm happy. I know this stuff too, but it's, it's also just like, yeah, it's, you know, and so I feel like there's times when I'm able to shut it off. I don't know, but it's yeah. not, I don't know. It might be drinking beer that helps me shut it off. I don't know. That it, might be it. Usually what helped me shut it off <laughs> with beer is having like two or three. Yeah, there you go. There you go. But the first beer is always like the hardest because yeah. I've just, uh, it just my my brain starts just not shutting up about it. That's another like what, great, how it could be better. That's another great name for this uh, podcast episode. Is the first beer is the, always the hardest? You know, that'd first be beer is the hardest. <laughs> yes, uh, yeah. So, um, you know, I I did want to talk to you a little bit more about the electric pills nerds. Um, so. Yeah, and that, you know, to throw it back, that's the YouTube series that Ryan's doing with uh, Scott Blanco, um, where they pedal or they they pair guitar pedals with beers. So it's so uh, yeah, so stupid. No, it's it's. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 delightful and educational. Yeah, we and try to be you know weave weave some humor in there. 
Oh, for sure. It's very silly and in, in, in a lot of, in, in all the best ways. Uh, but you know, something that I, I wanted to ask is like, okay, you're, you're given this guitar pedal. Um, like I just saw the most recent episode from season one. The last one you guys did was, uh, fuzz. You, you matched a fuzz pedal with, uh, a peach flight, some kind of peach. Beer. Yeah. Like, uh, I think it was a peach Berliner Weiss or sour, just basically sour peach beer. Peach fuzz. Yeah. Is it always like a wording thing or is there like a... We try not to make it too like on the nose or too like in the name or how the can looks and as opposed to how the pedal looks. But sometimes it's just like, sometimes things line up. Yeah. I think on that episode, Scott gave it a really good like pairing rating, like a nine or a 10. Um, cause yeah, a lot of, a lot of those peach beers, some, you know, it's like, it's like you can taste the fuzz on the peach skin, just how, how peachy these beers, some of these peach beers are. And that one in particular with the sourness had that kind of like fuzzy abrasiveness because of the sour aspect kind of like emulated in your mouth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh man, that's another. Is that a band name? <laughs> emulated in your no, that's a song. That's a good song name. There it uh, is. Emulated the fuzziness of a peach. Yeah. In a way, so. And it was just like uh, at the end of the day, it was super drinkable. It wasn't that abrasive. It was. It was good. That's like, really cool. It was palatable, like that fuzz pedal was. That's really cool. Um, yeah. So it's it's interesting how I think that takes a lot of creativity. There is like trying to find a way to like connect those two things because those things aren't naturally connected at all <laughs> the yeah. guitar pedal and no. uh beer flavor or a type of beer so it's it's uh it's really creative in that way that is just like you're finding ways to make these connections which i think is it's pretty cool because it it's always thoughtful it's not like you're just throwing something up you're not slapping some beer with a pedal and yeah, just being like no. well that's this episode like there's some reason behind it which I is know. great it, ha- it has been it's, it's not. I don't. I don't think it's been done before, <laughs> you know. But I think the concept of you know pairing flavors with sounds definitely has probably been done before in other creative ways um, with other other things. But yeah, it's been like pretty pretty fun. It's like trying to connect, you know, sound with flavor. Well, it's interesting. Now I'm thinking about it more and i'm like okay a lot of people associate like whiskey with country music you know sure which is interesting like i wonder if there's any connection there like where it's just or is that a is that because a lot of country songs reference whiskey, whiskey that or, it brings them there or, or they, you drink like typically a lot of you know whiskey at country shows yeah a lot of those country people are into bourbon yeah and you don't even they don't even know what other type of whiskeys there are right I mean, that's pretty much me. No, <laughs> I'm learning because I, I live here now at yeah, this man. house. And Just like beer, there's like a whole world of whiskey and a whole world of spirits. Yeah. Well, that's that's something I wanted to ask you about, too, because you've been uh, and I, I believe this is more of a recent thing, but you've been really diving into, um, yeah, just liquor and making cocktails and things like that. I mean, what's. What's that about? Is that like, you know, something, is that kind of a break from the beer world for you in, in it, but still using the same muscles of learning yeah. that stuff? Or, you know, how would you say you got into that? 
Um, I think I just like. Well, obviously, it's fun to drink. Fun to drink spirits. Um, I I didn't. I wasn't used to be. I didn't used to be into them. Then I had like a few good cocktails. And sometimes that's what it takes. Like it takes that one like really good drink that you're like okay that's okay like it's i can taste the booze but it's not too strong it's not too sweet it's not just like a shitty drink you get downtown um there's an absolute like actual craft to this and uh yeah the past couple of years i've just been diving into it doing my own research um you know haven't worked at a bar or to the cocktail bar but uh yeah just watching a lot of uh you know youtube and other creative types and uh just going crazy man i mean yeah, this my liquor shelf's kind of gotten out of hand. It's probably going to break at any second. Yeah, I'm staring at it right now. It's uh, <laughs> <laughs> we can't ever have any dogs running around in here. Yeah, I was. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I I still love beer so much, obviously, <laughs> but I just also needed another creative outlet that involved booze. Yeah, for sure. Speaking yeah. of uh, beer, yes, that sweet sweet beer crack. Round two. The first beer was the hardest. Now it's on to. This next one. It's all downhill from here. It's all downhill. Um and uh we mean that we mean that in the best way. You know, you're like you want to go downhill so it's easier. Yeah. Uh, it's so, a fun time down there. <laughs> it's, a fun, it's a fun time. Uh so <laughs> uh yes. So uh so I wanna yeah, before we kind of get into uh the actual process of making beer, which I think will be really interesting. Um I want I wanted to talk to you about um a question that I ask every guest that comes on this show cuz I think it creates these natural through lines where we start talk we start talking about other mediums that you know somebody hasn't explored yet. So I guess you know what I would ask you is if you could be successful at any other medium that you haven't really done much of yet. Is there is there something out there that you're, you you you'd love to go try and be successful at? <clears throat> wow, that's a big one. Um, well, I already tried disc golf. I'm, not, I'm, I'm I still kind of suck at it, but that'd be cool if I was if I was like a disc golf pro. There, there is some creativity to that. I've I've watched some some clips that you got to yeah, get creative with some of the shots. Got really sure. into that, but man, something I haven't even tried that would be, or maybe haven't done too much of. Right. Like, hmm. Like you know, I for me it's stand up comedy swimming. No, I'm just <laughs> Damn, that looks tough. Like it's like a workout. Um, no, I I usually sink when I swim. That's just how I was made. Uh, <laughs> shoot, man. Um, I prob since I like cooking at home. I that be that would be cool to be like a good like a you know a chef at a restaurant like yeah applying that same kind of creativity but and in a, in a crazy environment that i haven't been in before but it looks pretty nuts back in kitchens man like it does i wouldn't mind i don't know just like prepping helping prep food and then they were just like oh you chop onions like shit like you suck <laughs> like yeah you know being thrown into the fire i got a lot of respect for chefs and, and that that would be I think yeah, that'd be the one for me. That makes a lot of sense. I mean that 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 really adds up with you know kind of what we've talked about so far about like you know the way you think about making beer and you know all yeah. that stuff. It's just like talking really cool. with other chefs about food and like what to pair with what. Um, that's the fun part. Yeah, 
That's awesome, man. Well, uh, yeah, so I guess, you know, we do we do these kind of deep dives at the end of every episode where we really talk about either um, a part of someone's process more specifically or a song they've released or something like that. I was thinking about it. I was like, hmm, well, uh, you know, I don't know if there's an equivalent to that as far as like one specific beer that you um, are really into and want to talk about or if maybe we should just talk about just the process of making beer. And I think that that is fascinating and something that, uh, you know, I know that you're used sure. to talking about cause you've done these tours of, yeah. And the when, live once, opening. you know, and, and it's, it's funny, like that we're calling the pre COVID era, like the before times. I think that's like <laughs> a fun way of saying it. The land before times <laughs> or the land before times. Yes. Um, but yeah, during those, bef- uh, in the before times, I was a I was also the main tour guide at Live Oak. So once things get back normal, I'm usually the person giving tours on Saturday afternoons. Um just like ask me the dumbest question or ask me the most like insanely in-depth question and usually I'm able to answer it depending, you know, just throw it at me. And if I can't answer it, then that just lights a fire in my butt to uh learn more and figure it out. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. What was your question? <laughs> well, no, I, I, well, I'll kind of get started here with, with my questions. I don't think I actually oh, yeah, asked how one to make yet. beer. <laughs> no. So, um, I guess start from the beginning. Like how, you know, when you're thinking about making a certain beer, I mean, how do you approach like the, before you do anything else? Like, how do you think about like this new concept for a beer or like a new, I I don't know recipe. I don't know what would you call it. Um, how do you think about that approach? Well, uh, for me, luckily I work at a brewery that we specialize in traditional classic like styles, mainly German, like Czech, Polish styles, uh, just Central Europe outside, like not Belgian styles. That's it's kind of funny. Belgian's right there, but like close to Germany, um, but they make completely different beers over there. Um, and some breweries focus on just Belgian styles. Um, some breweries make a Belgian style, but we just like to, our, our tastes, we like to focus on those classic German Czech styles and a few American styles, just the hoppy stuff. Uh, but a lot of times we'll be like, what classical style haven't we made before? And to, there's there are so many beer styles, so many. I argued that there are more beer styles than wine styles, I'm pretty sure that's the case. Maybe maybe I'm wrong, but I digress. Uh, if we haven't made this traditional style yet, we'll start scheming on uh, what ingredients are in there, what's the history. Uh, we'll do our own kind of independent research. Um, we have a great resource called the Master Brewers Association of the Americas that has a whole online database of from papers and articles like hundred years old. Um, maybe not like it's been around for over a hundred years, but there's archives of brewing articles and there's a bunch of books, uh, uh, podcasts, online tools to, to start learning about history. If if we're trying to brush up on a style. So yeah, we'll try to make each of those new styles of those, those old styles of beers, like as close to historically possible within our limitations. Yeah. Um, using you know we prefer to use 
the type of grain from that country, type of uh, hops from that country typically, and the yeast. Um, we could use the water from that country, but that's just a logistical like nightmare of trying to just ship water. Like you can do it, but it's not worth it. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna ask if that if that actually makes a big enough difference to maybe be worth it. No, I mean in any case, what but we, yeah. What we try to do is match like, well, sometimes, not all the time, but the water is where we like to take, where we like to not be lazy, but we like to be like, here's our local Central Texas water profile, like what the the mineral content in the water, and this is how, like, this is how the beer tastes in this part of the world, because uh, water, obviously water is most of what beer is. Yeah. Um, 95% of beer is water, so... Um, but we'll, we'll definitely strip most of the minerals out of that. The stuff that don't make it taste very good. If you don't filter if you just use tap water to make beer, I should add, it'll taste kind of band aid typically. That's one of the mm. first big mistakes you learn home brewing. Yeah. It's like, oh, just get it right from the tap. Nope. Nope. Don't. You're setting yourself up for failure. There's certain, uh, you know, chemical chlorine. That's what, that's what does it. Interesting. Um, that's, well, yeah, that's definitely one of the things that can seems like it wouldn't affect it that much but it really does yeah so so like be thoughtful about where to get your water i mean that's yeah seems like a good if you're homebrewing pro tip just buy like you know the gallon jugs of spring water yeah not distilled you want some minerals in there but jugs of spring water from you know your local grocery store that's that's so crazy you could go through all this process and like do all this stuff and your biggest problem could be just the water that you chose (laughs) That's, you know, yep. it could totally ruin it. Yeah. You had your grains all right, hops, yeast, everything that you wanted. Then the, your water profile could totally screw up the batch. Wow. So we mostly, we have a big carbon filter, mostly strips out the, the chlorine and some minerals, but at least some like the local minerals intact, like calcium, magnesium. Um, and then just, uh, yeah, along the process that helps the grain do what it's supposed to do. It helps out the, the hops and also the yeast are all about those minerals too. So yeah, I mean, just think about those four ingredients. Um, yeah. We just think a bit, you know, think of from those four angles and uh, throw in a few different brewing techniques. You know, what, what historical techniques were used on that style of beer and uh, we'll throw that in the mix as well. So do you guys like, plot out this this kind of plan for the techniques you're going to use and what recipes like it is it is i mean i guess i would think about it like you know with with if i'm cooking something you know i've got all the ingredients out you know i've got <laughs> yeah. a plan in my head yeah we have like, a brew, we have brew sheets okay. where we punch in all the ingredients do some calculations some math we know we're throwing in the hops we don't want to make it too bitter so we have to do some calculations with that grain it's pretty great because yeah you can build up what kind of bready like malty profile do you want to put in the beer um you know sometimes you just need one type of grain to make like a pilsner just use pilsner barley malt Mm. but i'm drinking like this baltic porter and it's got like some barley it's got some wheat it's got some dark roasted malt it's got just like a handful of different malts that just like give it a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Um, just like cooking. Same with hops. It's like, oh, we want it to have this kind of flavor. 
uh, hops are kind of like the spice of and herbs of beer. So, yeah, we use those like that. And they also add the bitter bitterness to it to balance out the sweetness from the malt. That's interesting. I guess um, another question I I thought of too, like in this approach phase where you're kind of thinking, you're planning, you're thinking about the ingredients to use and all that stuff. How much of this? I mean, you guys are running a business. You want to sell beer, right? How much of this is you thinking about? Is this something our consumers are going to like? Yeah. Or is this something that we like? Like, is there a balance there, or is it like there is? Okay. I, yeah. Sometimes we just that. shove a beer down like the consumer's throat. Like you're gonna <laughs> like this because we like it. Because we're yeah we're uh we're we're lucky enough to do that because we've been around for so long. Like new breweries yeah. can't do that. Uh, they're trying to gain more more traction, more followers, more consumers. Um, but we we have uh been around long enough to where we can put out a new historical style or we'll like build a totally new beer that kind of has historical aspects or not. Uh, we do like to experiment a little bit, not as much as a lot of craft brewers, but we do like to do some zany stuff here and there and like, Oh, well hopefully it sells. Yeah. But also we like, we are in town known for making a lot of smoked beers, like beers that have a smoky flavor to them. And it's not a new thing. It's very old school type of beer style from Germany called Rauchbier. Means smoke, just straight up smoke beer. Um, Rauchbier, <laughs> and uh, they drink a lot of them um, in this particular town, southern Bavaria, um, called Bamberg. And uh, yeah, it's like a whole smoke beer town, um, and it does taste like barbecue, like smoke, like smoked meats. It's pretty. It's pretty weird. That it takes is, a while to get used to, not yeah, going to lie. That but is. once you get used to it, it's ranging from light beers to dark beers, all these different smoke beers. Um, so we we do put out a lot of crazy smoke beers as well. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, so I guess, uh, you know, with, with music, you know, how I can think about it is like, you know, if I if I hear a song from an artist and it's clearly just trying to go along with the exact trends of today and all that stuff. I'm like, Oh God, this is kind of like phony in a way, you know, like it doesn't feel genuine. Is there any version of that with, with beer? Like, can you, can you taste one and be like, Oh, this, this beer company is like selling out or something, or is there a version of that? Like what, how does that go for you? Um, every time I drink a blonde ale, just kidding. <laughs> I think no. I, I'll like my opinion. I think that's just like kind of the most boring beer style, and I yeah. think that's on purpose. Yeah, it's not trying to be that much. There are just a, some beer styles out there that for, first, yeah, there's beer styles that aren't trying to do a lot with the flavor. They're just trying to be pretty as mild as possible, uh, almost close to water. But uh, but then there's beers like that that you can also taste. Like oh, that's kind of low quality malt that's low qu- like old hops or bad hops that's uh stressed yeast that's a thing that i forgot to mention earlier it's like yeast is part of the flavor profile yeast can kick off a bunch of different crazy fruit spice flavors especially in uh, belgians i mean the reason that live oak cafe tastes the way it does the banana the clove vanilla little citrus it's all from that particular strain of hefeweizen yeast from mm. germany so another another flavor adder another in our toolbox of flavor town 
<laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, well, yeah, that's, that's interesting. Um, yeah. So I guess, you know, how much is, uh, when when you're really when you're thinking about this and you're coming up with these ideas for a new beer, how how much of it is inspired by other flavor combinations you you've experienced, um, or maybe other breweries making stuff? Like I know you're sure. not trying to rip people off or anything, but is there like, but it's kind of like with music, like you know you, you hear a song and you're like, oh, I want to take some element of that song and and you know kind of spin yeah. it to be my own thing. You we're, know, we're we're total like you know we're total phonies at. At Live Oak, because uh, we're just trying to make what other brewers have made for hundreds of years. <laughs> we're just trying to make it as good as you can in the states, um, because in, in in the states, I think that's kind of rare to find breweries that'll go the extra mile to source as many ingredients from overseas as they possibly can to make it taste like what they're you're drinking over there. Uh, I'll honestly see a lot of brewers like, oh, I'm making a German Pils. They're using American grain using maybe Kolsch yeast, which is not pr- like proper lager yeast. They're maybe using uh, American hops. I've seen that. And that is not authentically... If they're, say- if they're saying it's a German Pilsner, that is not an authentic German Pilsner um, to me and to many you know beer purists. It's like you're misleading the consumer on what a p- German Pilsner should taste like. If you want to call it an American Pilsner, go for it. Go mm. Call it an American Pilsner. But, uh, yeah, just, uh, I'll get off my soapbox. No, now. it sounds, it sounds like, uh, you know, like when I, you know, found out like Coldplay got best rock album at like, uh, <laughs> the Grammys a few years ago. I'm like, that's their album's fine, but it's not rock. <laughs> no, it's like it's, pop rock, if anything. Yeah. And like, you know, I'm, but no, no knock on Coldplay, but calling no, it rock do is have a bit a of a stretch. Yeah, it's a bit of a stretch calling it rock. You know, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it's like an interesting. Know. You know, uh, but <sighs> yeah, it's it's that. So it's it's kind of sounds like we're talking about genres. You know, in, in a way, exactly. Uh, you know, yeah. it, it, that happens in beer so much that a brewery will put out a beer. It's saying it's this, but I'll taste it and be like, or look at the ingredients that are in there. I'm like, no, it's not. And that's kind of like what. Live Oak instilled in me and my boss Chip. He's like, it's n- it can't be a, a pilsner because it has rye malt in it. Pilsners <laughs> should only have pilsner barley, not freaking rye. He's super Texan. He, I, I worked that, for a cartoon character. Was like, that Chip that just that showed up Chip. here? Did, yeah. did he just come in the house? Uh, He's like, sounds like Texan Kermit the Frog. <laughs> That's yeah, awesome. Uh, so I guess. Um, you know, to kind of wrap things up here, I, um, I am curious as to like, I guess kind of a over overlooking view of like the steps of like making a beer. So right. my favorite, my favorite beer from live Oak is big bark. I love Hell big yeah. bark. Yeah. And Thank I you. drink it. Yeah. If I'm drinking my... beer, you know, Amber's the way I like to go and big bark's a great one. Thank so. you, man. Uh, that was like one of my, my passion projects at work was it's like big park's good, but it could be better. It, it like there was always this thing with the brewers. I, I, I thought it's like, why don't, okay. Y'all want to have one big bark, but why don't you, ha- why don't you want to have two big barks back to back? And you know, meet me and the head brewer at Doosan 
he was great to work for and really open to our ideas which you know it's like good trait of a good boss but he was like you know you're right like what can we do to make you want to drink more of it uh, so we started retweaking the recipe just keeping in all the things you like about Big Bark but making it more as we say crushable mm. um, so yeah he really like put me like had you know, put me to the task and I tweaked the recipe a little bit took out this added this or more of this less of that by crushable you just mean like it's it just goes down easy exactly yeah while still maintaining like a good full flavor yeah uh but it was just back then it was you know four of I mean, it three years ago for sure it was a little something heavier sweeter side and i've tried to make it a little less heavy a little less sweet uh more dry but still being super malty so yeah i appreciate that yeah so i mean how do you how do you make Big, I mean, you don't have to give away any secrets, but like, I guess you know, how how does like the beer making process work? I mean, you Good, know, like, yeah. I'll try not to be try not to go on for an hour about this. <laughs> <laughs> you have, but you yeah, have, to make say it in to five make sentences. Beer. No, I'm just. Kidding. I'm sorry. What was it? <laughs> say it in five sentences or less. <laughs> no, just kidding. Uh, make big batch oatmeal, <laughs> add yeast, strain, or like no strain, then add yeast consume perfect <laughs> uh yeah that was the most basic basically we're making with beer we're, we're making a huge batch of oatmeal or just huge batch of cereal mush like so we're adding uh water to a big vat of grains uh heating it up to a certain temperature steps um and grain the malt as we we call it malted barley malted wheat malted rye but we typically mostly use malted barley, malted wheat. Um, the water hitting those different temperature steps will trigger certain enzymatic activity in inside the grain. Uh, grain has all these enzymes that were meant for the meant for it growing into a plant, but you can harness those enzymes to convert starches in the, each grain to sugar. So as you're mashing, when you do the mash, when you make that big batch of oatmeal. Uh, you are you know you'll be tasting it early on. It's really starchy, like potatoes. Um, not very pleasant, but you know you're hitting these higher and higher temperature steps, getting up to the 150s, um, and then it starts to become pretty sweet. 150 Fahrenheit. It it gets sweeter and sweeter over the course of roughly an hour. Is how long uh, the mash takes. So then basically you transfer that to the next vessel that strains the liquid off of those grains, keeping the grains just like um, on top and the the water or the, the sweet sugary wort, it's now called. It flows through the grains, flows through what's called a false bottom, has a bunch of little slits in the bottom. We collect that sweet wort, bring it up to a boil in the kettle. Once it's boiling, we add hops to bitter, uh, to bitter the beer and kind of counteract the sweetness that will inevitably be there. And then uh, after it's boiled for an hour, hour and a half, depending on the beer, um, we take it to another vessel called the Whirlpool that spins it around really fast, spins down the, the wort, once again separates the solids, the hops, coagulated proteins. We then cool down that wort to proper fermentation temperature if it's an ale, about 70 degrees Fahrenheit. If it's a lager, 
about 50 degrees Fahrenheit. And that's one of the biggest, uh, you know, details with beer that people don't really know is like ales and lagers. I've literally had a a beer buyer at a bar tell me, it's like, he's like, I'm not really an ale guy, but I do like Hefeweizens and I do like IPAs. But I'm like, those are, those both are ales. (laughs) You idiot. You're the, you're in charge of buying beer here. And that's just kind of par for the course, but I digress. Yeah, yeah for sure. There's always going to be those people that you're like, wait, how did you get this job? Wait, what? You don't oh, know? Man. Oh, geez. You don't know this? Most beer buyers like drink wine or uh, drink spirits. That's that's funny. <laughs> but once again, I, I it's, a, it's a shame, but I, I digress. Uh, so yeah, ales are just like warmer fermented. They use a type of yeast called ale yeast Yeah. Uh, that likes to ferment a little warmer. Therefore, it has... It gives more flavor to the mix. Um, has more of a fruity, sometimes spicy character, like the Hefe. Yeah. Really good case in point. But lagers are like the opposite. They like to ferment colder. Um, because there's less activity going on in fermentation, they kick off less of these flavor compounds, these less of these chemical f- compounds that add more flavors. So they generally ferment more clean, cleaner than ale yeast. So that's why you have lagers as opposed to ales. Lagers are typically lighter, um, a little less full-bodied than ales. They ferment a little more sugar out of the mix, so they're typically drier most of the time. Um, So you don't really taste the the emphasis of lager yeast. You're not trying to taste the lager yeast so much. You're trying to put emphasis on the grain and the hops. But with ales, typically, you're trying to taste the grain, hops, and the yeast. Um so yeah, that's basically in a nutshell difference between ales and lagers. That's cool, man. And we brew a lot of lagers at Live Oak. We're, we brew more lagers than most most breweries. Yeah, uh, we're just lager nuts over there. <laughs> so so I guess uh, so we we talked about getting it down to the right temperature. Uh, that's for the fermenting process. Is exactly. That so okay. we'll add we'll add the either ale yeast or lager yeast depending on what style we're making. Let it ferment for if it's an ale. Let it ferment about a week. If it's a lager take about a week and a half two weeks and that's where you, at breweries you see those big tanks right in my old tanks. Yeah. yeah so that's that's what's happening in those for yeah the we most really, part. literally yeah. introduce the yeast and it's a living organism it's a part of the fungi family single-celled fungal organism it's a living thing so you know we got to treat it right there's things we do to keep it alive and keep it healthy um and it loves that sugary wort but once it so once it ferments the wort it's now considered beer Mm. Up until that, it's wort, but to be to be beer, it's got to be fermented from, with yeast. So after it's fermented, uh, we cool down the tank. Drop the yeast settles down, settles out on the bottom. We transfer the beer out of that to a a, a lagering tank, and that or conditioning tank that goes for if it's an ale or a lager. Uh, we we will harvest that yeast from that batch and use it on the next batch of beer. Mm. So it's a thing that's reusable up to a certain amount of times, usually 10 to 20 times, 10 to 20 cycles. Wow. Cool. Brewing cycles. So, yeah. we And there's actual another niche in the brewing industry called yeast labs. There's actual yeast companies that grow yeast, different strains of yeast, and sell it mm. for home brewers and brewers. So. Well, yeah, it's probably important to not to not waste, be wasteful of these things to make sure that you know you're looking after your uh, your bottom line and and also just to not be wasteful in general. I mean, 
you know, it's if you've got this yeast that'll still work for ten to twenty more batches. Yeah, that's pretty cool. It. Yeah, you yeah. save you save a lot of money there, not having I'm to get sure. new yeast every time. Yeah, I'm sure. That makes sense, man. So yeah, I guess so. Now that it's fermented, it's it's beer, and you know you've it's you've, beer. Let it age. Let it like lager condition, smooth out in flavor for a couple weeks at least. If it's an ale, if it's a lager, we like to let it lager, which in German that means to store. Yeah. Um, it, it, lagering kind of was a term, you know, coined in Central Europe back like a couple hundred years ago, uh, when they basically discovered lager yeast and that it likes to ferment colder um but yeah let that sit for at least a month we like to in a uh, cold temperatures like you know fr- refrigeration refrigerate refrigerator temperatures um and it really does smooth out in flavor settles out more yeast and then we filter it if it needs to be filtered um into what is called a br- big bright tank that has finished beer in it that's where we carbonate it we need to add more co2 to the mix to give it that full amount of carbonation that you that you know and love make it crispy and uh then we can package it into kegs or cans after that yeah then it's ready to go so i guess start to finish are we talking about like a month then for a uh, beer? For, for like hefe for the hefeweizen we could turn around to two weeks three weeks uh even faster if we were really in a pinch that beer's really easy super fast ferment fermenter uh, but for lagers, yeah, at least a month and a half, two months. Mm. Typically, we'll like go two months with lagers. We like to do like a month and a half lagering. Yeah, that's wow. That's I will thank you for walking me through all that, man. That's really cool. I think that's no going to be really interesting for the listeners that are into beer and you know when they go buy beer either from a bar or like you know wherever they're at, you know, just know that you know somebody made that it's a lot yeah, of work. somebody really did you know and there's a lot there's a lot behind that there's creativity there's hard work there's so much knowledge that goes into everything even probably i would assume after you've been doing this a while you're still like thinking about things all the time you're using your knowledge you know every day and that that's you know just something i i wanted to kind of highlight with this episode is just really like thinking about that the the person behind the the beer that you're you're enjoying you know and i think that's 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 pretty cool and and thank you so much for for showing showing the listeners that no problem man Uh, that's that's what i love it i enjoyed a lot ryan i just want to say thank you so much for uh for taking the time coming out you're you're a busy guy i i know this to be i'm not even joking you're always on the go yeah so i really appreciate you you carving out the time to talk to me about this and being on the show power wheels man no doubt man well well thanks a lot man no problem. Thanks for having me on, man. I really enjoy your show. Really enjoy you as a uh, as a person. You're one of the best persons I know. Shucks. And uh, it's been awesome having <laughs> having you as a roommate <laughs> for these couple weeks. Yeah, man. Yeah, killer dude. It's uh, fun times ahead. Yes, no doubt, no doubt. Well, speaking of no doubt, I'm excited to see you tonight at yeah, the show. Yeah, we're playing with uh, a no doubt cover band. That's <laughs> yeah. gonna be awesome. Yeah, it's a Rage Against the Machine cover band and a no doubt cover band, and Full it's gonna on be killer. But '90s assault. You know, I know that this is gonna come out later, but go check out these bands. Uh, they're gonna be they're they're great. So, yeah, listen, uh, hey, hey baby, ATX and hey hey baby, uh, it's gonna be fun. But anyways, thank you for listening and. Uh, yeah, see you next time. Thanks a bunch, y'all. See y'all at Live Oak sometime, hopefully. Woo! Thank you for listening to the Greetings from Wherever podcast. To support the show, please visit patreon.com slash Brian Wolf Music. 
or just like and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thank you, and we'll see you next time.